very fitting hymn as we come today and share in Holy Communion. We in Methodism, of course, celebrate an open communion. We invite all to the table. It's not limited to just membership. Each and every one is invited to be a part of this as they come in the grace of God. Today we're going to look at the idea, the concept of worshiping God in the sanctuary. Um, in Hebrews is our scripture, the ninth chapter, starting at the 24th verse. And it says, For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest entered the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of the many people. And he, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may see inside of this sanctuary. The writer of Hebrews opens the scripture by the power of the Holy Spirit that we may realize that indeed Christ is the sacrifice and also the salvation. Be with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As many years ago, I was able to be in the gated city of Jerusalem. And I remember we went to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre there in Jerusalem, considered the most holy site in the Christian world. And as we were looking around in different parts of this historical place, uh, I heard a voice of someone. It sounded like they were Southern. And I listened, and it was this priest that works at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, he had a long black beard, and he was wearing the long, just the black robes. He was a Coptic Christian. Uh, and he was talking, and I thought that was strange. He had a Southern accent. And I said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jeremy. And I went, you're from South Carolina, aren't you, Jeremy? He said, yep, where are you from? I said, I'm from North Carolina. And I said, how in the world did somebody from South Carolina end up in the most holy church in the world? He said, it's a strange journey. That's what he said, a strange journey. Nothing's funnier than a, Southern, a Southerner doing a Southern accent, I think. Um, and, and I thought about Jeremy, and I wondered how in the world he got there. And what brought him to be in this holy church? You may have seen in the church lately in the news, they had a stone fall out of one of the facades in the front of the church. And understand there's a number of holy groups that claim the church as their own. And they guard each and every part of it in a fierce way. And this little brick, it fell out. And one of the priests was laying on top of the brick to protect it from the others and especially the different officials, as they would come, they were scared it would fall on a tourist. Uh, and they consider every part of the church sacred. So they were guarding the brick, and they were dragging this priest off of the brick by his legs so they could get a hold of the brick and get it fixed. Sanctuaries are very important. Sanctuaries are where we gather to worship God. This is a holy place. It's made holy by the presence of God's grace. Yes, we have people in our midst that are spiritual redwoods, people that are wonderful in every way they have been saints in our midst. What makes this place special is that God's special presence is here. 
In the Catholic tradition, sanctuaries actually have a holy relic. Uh, I served a church down in Tabor City that bought the Catholic Church of Tabor City after they closed it. And the Catholics came and did an official ceremony and they cut the relic out of the wall. It was one of the pieces of a saint. <laughs> uh, they have these in the Vatican and they send them to Catholic churches around the world. And when they build a holy place, they put a holy relic in it. Uh, now, we don't need a holy relic because we're the holy relics uh, here. Uh, and I celebrate that God has blessed us to be a wonderful place of God's grace. Now, how, how does that help us understand what God is calling us to? In the scripture, Jesus is shown as the one who is entering in on our behalf. And the sanctuary he enters is not a copy. It is the original. I don't know if some of you can remember it. I know you kids can't, but one of the biggest inventions of my life when I was a young person was a copier. It was a copier. I loved the copier. In fact, we just sold a copier right before this worship service to somebody in the church. They wanted that old copier out there, and they got it. I worked out a deal. I was, I was, I was dealing before church. I was dealing. I was taking people, meeting them, saying, how much you give, and... Uh, I got to admit, uh, we got to struggle on that a little bit. But the fact is, is the copier changed everything. Because when I was a boy, I used to help my father when there were bulletins and the secretary would have the bulletins and he kind of volunteered me to fold them. And I would use the mimograph machine. And some of you remember the mimograph machine. And the ink smell had a really, had, had a really strange smell. But you would crank that mimograph machine and the copies would come out. And then the copier came. And the copier allowed you to copy everything, and you were copying everything. Some of us illegally copied a dollar bill, sometimes a $10 bill, which is against the law. Copiers changed the world. Well, copies are not the original. In fact, the early copies, the copiers would always have a degradation, they called it, where it would become less than the original. In fact, if you copied something five times over, you couldn't even read it in some cases because every time you copied the way the copies were, they were not that clear. See, we celebrate a faith that has the original sanctuary. So when we're here in this sanctuary, we're not copying the sanctuary at Jerusalem, the mother church, the first church of the Christian faith, the ones they took up offerings for, and they came and they sent back those offerings from the travels of Paul. We are here not in a copy, but in the original, because the power of the Holy Spirit is here. And that's what it's saying, for Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Now, I've just tied heaven to here, and that's important, because the closer you tie yourself to heaven, the closer you are to God. Heaven's not some far-off mystical place that somehow exists in faith and ideas. Heaven is real, and heaven is here. Heaven is now. Heaven is our relationship with God. So we are not worshiping a copy faith. We are worshiping the original faith with the original Son of God. And how do we know that? That he offered himself once for all. Christ has offered himself once for all. 
He doesn't have to offer himself every year to get it right. He got it right the first time he came and he died on the cross. The cross does not need to be replicated. There's only one cross, and that cross is able to save. That cross is able to change lives. That cross is our cross of salvation because on it, he died for our sins. What I love about Emmaus, the celebration of Emmaus at the very end, you're able to place your cares and your concerns and your worries in a cross. It's very important. And, and all, the, all the teachings they have with Emmaus and the teachings of the spiritual movement that we understand the center of our lives spiritually is the cross of Jesus the Christ. And it was upon the cross he offered himself. It says that he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest entered the most holy place every year with the blood that was not his own, Christ would have had to suffer many times throughout creation. Now he has appeared once for all to the end of the age. That's, that's great. Every year we have a battle, do we not? And, and I'm going to call Coach Roy and I was telling my committee, we have a Carolina committee that meets here before worship every Sunday. Uh, it's Mr. Pat's our chairperson. There he is right over there. He's chairperson. Give them a little wave, Mr. Pat, you're our chairperson. Well, we determined that we don't want to play Duke this year. We're going to play Wofford twice this year. So we're going to call Roy and schedule Wofford uh, because we don't want to play this Duke team. And you people that are Duke fans, enjoy the moment. Enjoy it because it's going to roll around, and next year we may be the dominant team because all of them will be gone. See, it's like we live in a world that things – have to keep rotating, and, and, and there's never any settled answer. No matter what we do, it's just we can always be better. It can always get better. It can always get worse. It's like we're in this rotation. But with Jesus, there's only one Jesus. There's not many Jesuses. There's not a Jesus over here and a Jesus over there. There's not a bobbin head Jesus. You know, that's the Jesus you put in your car that you put up on the dash and you ask him a question and he'll shake his head yes or no. It depends on how rough the road is. I've seen people with bobbin head Jesuses and I just don't hold to that. I don't know about that. Because you make Jesus a bobbin head Jesus, you may have trouble because Jesus may be telling you something you don't want to hear. See, we live in a world that keeps thinking there's options. In fact, that's what we're living in. The age right now is the age of options. Everybody's got a commentary on every news channel. You can't watch any news anymore because it's all commentary. Everybody wants to give everybody an option. And no matter what it is, it's not just door one, door two, or door three. It's a lot of doors. There's a lot of options. But guess what? There's only one option when it comes to salvation, and that is Jesus. There's only one Jesus, and that's what Jeremy knew when he went over there. Here he is with his southern accent. How you doing? I'm from South Carolina. And I said, Jeremy, I'm Jerome from North Carolina. And here we are gathered in the most holy place that 2,000 years ago, Jesus turned that place upside down, and he reestablished a new sanctuary, one made of his blood and his body that he was able to offer to us through Holy Communion and to us through worship each and every Sunday. He has appeared once for all. Isn't that great? There's only one answer we need, not many answers. We don't need more choices in life. We already got too many choices. 
We are a land of choices. Well, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I tell you guys, there weren't that many colors. There were like six colors maybe. I don't know. may have been three colors. I don't know. There, there, but now y'all got colors, and, and, and I love the way you dress today because that's what I like right there. That's just black or white or gray. There's no need to mess around with no colors. We live in too colorful world. People, some of you very colorful. I'm not talking about you, of course. I'm talking about other people down the road. But we live in a world with too many options, and they think there's an option on faith, and there's not. And the writer of Hebrews is making very clear there's only one Christ, and he died once for all, and he doesn't need to die again for your sin. His death is sufficient for salvation. Now, we can help the world to understand this by living a life of being redeemed, of living a life that we don't need excuses of living a life where we claim the promise of salvation. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. He came to bring salvation, to bring us to the point where we're able to come into the communion of God's holy place. Now, we live in a world in fact, I don't even know if you know it, but the Church of Satan just sued Netflix. Can you believe that? I read it on the news. Church of Satan suing Netflix because somehow Netflix borrowed their image of a goat-headed man, which uh, to me uh, tells me these people got problems. They got serious problems. They worshiping the bad God, the wrong God. They're worshiping Baal. Judgment is coming for them. And also, they're not too smart. I'll just tell you right now. Thinking that somehow they are going to have the answer when there's no answer in what they seek and what they're after because they are not after truth or goodness or hope or life. Sisters and brothers, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear again, but not to take away our sin, but to bring salvation. And that is the coming of the Lord that is happening. The coming of the Lord that is taking place right now where the wheat and the chaff are being separated and the chaff shall be thrown into the furnace and the wheat shall be gathered into the granary. In other words, the time of judgment is coming. And the judgment is not the judgment of man, but the judgment of God, which is a just judgment. It is a judgment based upon the love and the grace of Jesus the Christ. I do not know if Jeremy ever found his salvation in that church. I hope he did. I hope he realizes that a place is not where you find it. It is a heart. It is a relationship. I think in a way God sent me there so I could speak to him in his native language to let him know that God's grace, it abounds. God's grace is real. Sisters and brothers, there are people on journeys here today. They are going somewhere here or somewhere else, and we pray they find on their journey the sanctuary they seek. But for this moment, at this time, this is our sanctuary, and God has given us a very special place where love abounds in this body that we're able to come together in the name of Jesus the Christ. And there's only one Jesus, there's only one birth, there's only one baptism, there's only one table, And Christ invites all who earnestly seek and repent of their sins to come 
to the table. Our young people will be coming back from pilgrimage and they will be uh, excited over all the music and all the words and the messages and the fellowships that they shared in. And we as a church will be blessed when they come back from this place that is holy and they come back home. Let us pray that they come back carrying that spirit into our hearts that we'll grow into the grace of God. Now I invite you to turn to page 15 for our service of Word and Table. On page 15, as you know, as Methodists, we are a people of the table. We'll start with the great thanksgiving at the bottom of page 15. And the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Um, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Our honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.